Welcome to the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. My name is Natalie Nidham. I'm a nutritionist, a human potential, and epigenetic coach, and I created this podcast to bring you the latest ways to take control of your health and longevity. We cover it all, from new technology to ancestral health practices, personalized interventions, and a very special interest of mine, peptides. Enjoy the show. Hey folks, welcome back to the show. We have a great episode for you, a longevity enthusiast today. And it turns out that our first sponsor has everything to do with longevity. Because as you know, as we age, our mitochondria, the powerhouses of our cells, become damaged. This damage can lead to a number of age-related problems. And many experts would agree that disease ultimately stems from mitochondrial dysfunction. Which is why, in order to improve longevity, we need to flush out the damaged mitochondria to prevent aging. The way to do that is through a process called mitophagy. And up until now, there really haven't been very many supplements on the market that can support mitophagy or the flushing out of those old damaged mitochondria. However, we have a solution. MitoPure's urolithin A supplement. You can easily improve your mitochondrial function with this supplement. And this will lead to improved energy levels, reduced inflammation, slower aging process, better sports performance, better immune function. And this is coming up. We're going to talk about this in an upcoming episode, as well as happy mitochondria that can ultimately help to ward off disease. MitoPure has created three ways to get your daily dose of 500 milligrams of urolithin A in their product. They've got a delicious vanilla protein powder that combines muscle building protein with the cellular energy of MitoPure. This is one of my favorites. It's my favorite whey protein shake. If you don't like whey protein, they also have a berry or a ginger powder that easily mixes into smoothies or just about any drink, or even you can throw it in your any kind of yogurt in the morning. Delicious. And finally, you can just buy soft gels for travel. Personally, I love the starter pack because it allows you to try all three forms of MitoPure. So if you want to start giving your mitochondria some love, use code NAT10 for 10% off your order at timelinenutrition.com forward slash shop forward slash nutrition. Again, that's NAT10 for 10% off your order at timelinenutrition.com. Okay. Now, as we're talking about longevity and optimizing our health, what better topic to talk about testing for your biological age. In this episode of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast, I chat with Hannah Wendt, the Director of Operations at True Diagnostic, about the stories certain biomarkers can tell about our present health and our future health. From predictors of lifespan to predictors of disease, there's a huge array of biomarkers that we can target to help identify a person's biological age. Hannah also shares what lifestyle changes someone can implement to increase their longevity and reverse the clock on their biological age so that it either equals or surpasses a person's chronological age. Or actually, you want to underpass your chronological age. You want your biological age to be lower than your chronological age. So we can do things like limiting alcohol consumption or caloric restriction. There are a multitude of lifestyle changes one can make to increase their lifespan. And let's not forget about health span. Hannah Wendt has a lifelong passion for longevity and breakthrough disruptive technologies that drive radical improvement to the human condition. She attended the University of Kentucky and graduated with a degree in biology. After graduation, she worked for the International Peptide Society as their director of research and content. So through work in the integrative medicine industry, Hannah saw an opportunity for methylation-based age diagnostics. If that's all Greek to you, don't worry, we explain it in the podcast. 
and started True Diagnostics in 2020. I've always been incredibly impressed with Hannah. She's, you know, she looks super young, but man, she knows her stuff and she just looks young. Maybe she's not as young as she looks, but True Diagnostics is a company focusing on methylation array based diagnostics for life extension and preventative healthcare serving functional medical providers. And they also are doing a ton of studies with different supplements. As a matter of fact, I believe that MitoPure might be doing a study with them in the next year. So to learn more about Hannah and to order your own True Diagnostic test, you can go to truediagnostic.com and use code longevity12 for a discount on whatever test you choose. And also you can follow on Instagram, True Diagnostic Official, and that will give you lots of information on the test and the new things coming down the pipes with them. If you want to follow Hannah, she's actually launched a new podcast called everythingepigenetics.com. And her handle on Instagram is also everything epigenetics. I know that you're going to enjoy listening to Hannah. She's so fun. All right. Now, one more sponsor before I let you go. I'm here to bust a myth. Salt is good. Yeah, that's right. We actually want more salt, not less salt. And this is why everyone is raving about element electrolytes. They are bar none my favorites. Did you know you actually want to reach a baseline of four to six grams of daily sodium for optimal health, especially if you're a very active and healthy person? That's why Element has put together a truly meaningful dose of electrolytes in a science-backed ratio to provide you with optimal results. Element contains 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, 60 milligrams of magnesium, and no sugar, no artificial colors, no artificial flavors, but their flavors are amazing. As a matter of fact, the new summer flavor, which is grapefruit, is my new favorite. So this bolded simple formula is based on the latest scientific literature that is not reflected by the FDA recommendations. And I will say something else here, guys. If you eat a lot of processed food that is full of salt, you're going to want to dump that. And you want to replace your salt with electrolytes because these electrolytes come in that exact ratio that you want. So ditch the processed foods and the oversalted foods and drink this instead. So now most of us think of using electrolytes as a way to boost physical performance and replenish when we sweat after a heavy workout, which is actually great. But guess what? Electrolytes do so much more. In fact, electrolytes even play a role in appetite regulation and healthy digestion and countless more processes within the body to ensure it runs optimally. Plus, electrolyte deficiency or imbalances can cause symptoms like headaches, cramps, fatigue, and weakness. And of course, if you're using your sauna on a regular basis, you definitely want to be taking electrolytes. And this is why it's time for you, if you haven't already done so, to try Element. When you place your order with Element, you're going to want to go to drinkelement.com forward slash nat. And what you will get is eight free single serves with any order so that you get to try all the different flavors. So once again, that's drink L-M-N-T. So there's no E's in element. So drink L-M-N-T.com forward slash Nat. And you will get free, eight free single serves so that you get to try the new flavors. All right. Thank you so much for sticking with me this long, folks. I know that the intros can be a little long, but you know what? They're generally full of great information. And I always want to take this time to thank you for being here with me. Thank you for your comments, your questions, all of the incredible feedback I get from you guys. I so appreciate you. And if you get value from this episode or any episodes, please make sure to share it with your friends and networks. And of course, if you're looking to connect with me, all those links are in the show notes, but you can find me at natnidham.com on my website. And that's where you can find 
out about all the podcasts that I do, the women's retreat I'm holding in November, and also my private community on Mighty Networks. So thank you again for being here. And if you're feeling inspired today, please make sure to leave us a review because that's what allows us to climb up that ladder and get amazing guests for you. All right. Thanks so much. Let's dive in to True Diagnostic and Biological Age. Hey folks, just a quick reminder that all of the information presented in this podcast is for information purposes only. No medical advice, no diagnosing, no treatments suggested here. Before you try anything that you hear about or learn about here, make sure that you check with your medical provider. Hannah Went, welcome to the show. It's This has been like, I think it's taken us a year of scheduling, rescheduling and scheduling. Thank you so much for finally <laughs> making it here. I'm so excited about this conversation. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Natalie. Super excited to be here. I know, you know, like you said, we've been pinging each other and going back and forth. So um, super excited to, to chat with you today. Yeah, no, me too. And you know what? And in a way, with someone like you, especially because you're in such a fast moving field, every delay is a payoff because yeah. something new happens. You develop something, you learn something, you yeah, some new test comes out. So, you know, in some ways, it's kind of like pulling the slingshot back exactly to that right sweet spot and then letting it go. <laughs> Exactly. The the more time, you know, we we wait, the better as we have all these new insights and projects and, and you know, products that are, are being launched. So I think this is a is the perfect time, though. Me, too. OK, good. I'm, I'm glad we both agree on that. So for you guys, you know, if unless you skip through the intro, which some people do, you know that Hannah Went works with True Diagnostic. And we're going to talk today about not just the True Diagnostic test, but we're going to we're going to get into what all these metrics really mean and some of and maybe we're going to talk a little bit about a few of the other tests that are out there there's a lot of confusion like with you know you've got a glycan age test you've got a true diagnostic test measuring your telomeres then you've got another one measuring your pace of aging then you've got this other one called measuring your dna methylation clock and then and then you're like okay am i younger am i older like am i good <laughs> people are like am i good so and and if they're not good you know, I think a big piece of the puzzle, certainly for me when I'm working with clients, is getting them to calm down and go, you know what, it's okay. Like these are all, for the most part, as far as we know right now, these are solvable problems. These are things that if you are willing to make certain lifestyle changes and maybe take a few supplements and whatnot, we can probably at the very least slow thing down, if not reverse them. So anyway, that's the big intro. Maybe what we want to start with, I'm trying to figure out where we're going to begin this, but I think maybe one of the things we were talking about earlier is how there's these first, second, and third generation clocks. And so maybe what you want to do, Hannah, is talk a little bit about the DNA methylation test and those those multi-generation, those clocks and what might be coming down the pipes. I think you have some really interesting stuff coming down the pipes pretty soon. And then we'll move on to the Dunedin pace of aging and the telomeres, because I mean, just that suite of testing is just such fascinating information for people. Yeah, definitely. And I think echoing, Natalie, what you said, just backing up a little bit, all of these tests, I want you, you know, everyone listening to think of these as biomarkers. That is is all they are, right? Everyone knows, uh, you know, hopefully what a biomarker is. And, and 
that is what biological age is essentially. So we even like to talk about, you know, the, the epigenetic methylation testing that we do. And I'll, I'll explain that uh, for those who may be new to the subject is just a biomarker. So as Natalie stated, there's all of these biological age tests. There's, there's your glycan age, your telomere length, you know, you can, you can discover your biological age from a blood-based test. So, you know, what looks the, the, best as a true aging predictor on the market, because all of those other things are still great, but they're, they're probably a biomarker and maybe a biomarker of something else. Mm-hmm. So the epigenetic methylation testing that true diagnostic does, does look to be the most, you know, precise, accurate, sensitive type of way to look at biological aging. And what that means is epigenetics just means above the genome. That's what epi means. It's a Greek prefix. So we're looking at markers on top of the DNA. Um, you know, we're not looking at genetics. We're not looking at your SNPs. We're not looking at MTHFR or COMP-T genes where people typically think of that they when they hear crazy, methylation. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we're looking at just a DNA methylation marker on top of the genome. So a CH3 group, um, a carbon and three hydrogens. And what happens is that controls the expression of your genes. So if something is methylated, if something has that CH3 group on top of it, that gene is not expressed. Nice. And it's very site specific. So think of it like light switches, right? The light switches that light up the room, we're controlling, you know, what's being lit up in your genome, what's turned on, what's turned off. Um, DNA methylation is very site specific in the way that you want some things to be turned off and some things to be turned on. So, you know, you want your oncogenes or your cancer genes to be turned off, right? But you want your tumor suppressor genes um, to be turned on. So mm-hmm. it's this healthy balance of DNA methylation. Um, and, and, you know, what, what Natalie talked about, there's under epigenetic methylation, there's all of these different biological age clocks that we're going to categorize for you today. Um, and really the, the, the first type of clocks, these are called first generation clocks. These came out in about 2011 and 2013, Dr. Steve Horvath really pioneered all of this. He's a biostatistician out of UCLA, um, and he'll probably win a Nobel Prize for his work in the field. It's really, really exciting, um, and we could not be where we are today without his his work. You just what he found was a very, very high correlation between your chronological age. So that's important there, chronological age and your methylation markers, like an R-square value of, you know, above 0.95. And you just do not see that in science. So that was groundbreaking. Um, but go ahead, Natalie. Sorry. Yeah, I know. I'm going to put my hand I'm up. Rambling. I don't want to yeah. interrupt you. I don't want to kill your flow. And I want to just sometimes back up and, and answer. Yep. Somebody might be sitting there going, <laughs> what's an R-value? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know what it is, but what's an R-value? Yeah. So an R value is just taking, you know, two variables and looking at how highly, you know, correlated are to to one another. So um, just, you know, a little statistical term there, but you want to be higher. You want to have a higher R value. So 0.95 is, you know, very, very significant. Yeah. So it's like a 95% correlation between the two. Right. And so, and, and again, for people who are might be, who are new to this space, your chronological age is what set, what your birth certificate says. Your mm-hmm. biological age is what one of these tests is going to tell you, which ultimately is an indication, an indicate, a rough indication or some kind of indication as to are you, are your cells, is your body aging faster or slower? So are you a 40 year old showing up as an 80 year old or are you a 40 year old showing up as a 20 year old? Those are very extreme situations, but I just thought I would clarify that. And now 
I'm going to, I'm going to let Hannah loose again. (laughs) No, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. There's just so much to talk about. It's really hard to kind of like start and pick those points. So just cut me off if, if I need to be more clear. I'll Um, just put my hand up. That's perfect. Perfect. So, so in 2011 and 2013, these first biological age clocks that were created are called first generation clocks. Just, just a definition. Yeah. And the way they create these first generation clocks is they're actually trying to predict your chronological age by looking at your methylation markers. Okay. So you're still getting this outcome of age. It's called biological age, but that was the goal of first generation clocks is to just predict what's on your birth certificate from looking at methylation, from looking at markers on top of your DNA. Now, that is still huge because if that first generation biological age is above your chronological age, you are at increased risk for a lot of different chronic diseases and and death, according to the literature, right? So those are still really, really important. Um, A little kind of side note, they they were also used to, you know, understand the the ages of of refugees, excuse me, to see if they were old enough to seek asylum. Um, They use those, those first generation clocks to um, identify the age of people from different crime scenes. So, you know, they still have uh, great utility and application, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, just depends what, you know, if you want that outcome, right? So, it's, it's still important. Okay, I have a question. So if we're looking at DNA methylation patterns, I'm a bit confused because I, when I read my report, it tells me my DNA methylation pattern is is showing that I am X years younger than my chronological age. But you're telling me that the first generation clock looks at the DNA methylation panels uh, patterns and says that I am this age bio- chronologically. So are they just looking at different DNA methylation marker sites or, yeah. Yeah, that, that is confusing. <laughs> so the first generation clocks, no, that's a great question. It's still considered a biological age. So you're still getting your biological age from that first generation clock but they're just trying to predict and get as close as possible to your chronological age. So just in the way that they're built, they're trying to predict chronological age, but they're still giving you a number that you would consider your biological age. So the the terminology is a little bit confusing there, but it's still a biological age predictor. Mm -hmm. Okay. But it's very, it it has a tendency to be super close to chronological age on that first gen clock. Correct. Uh, Maybe, you know, depending on if you're, you know, aging faster or aging a little bit slower, but yes, that's, that would be the goal is to try to predict that. Um, But obviously, and we'll get into that, you know, your lifestyle factors, different supplements and things can, Mm -hmm. can have an effect on those. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So that's first generation clocks. The goal being to try and figure out, and I guess really as a baseline to the development of the future clocks, if we can get close on a person's age, then and almost use that as a benchmark then the future clocks we're now leveraging the information differently to get different types of data exactly so you know fast forward about uh to 2018 and 2019 um natalie what you described is is exactly that is is what's happening so you know, in 2018 and 2019, these new clocks were created, still looking at methylation markers. These are called second generation clocks. And these second generation clocks are actually going to add in an underlying um, age-related biomarker to predict your biological age. So I'll I'll list some examples of that and and go through. Um, For example, there's Dr. Morgan Levine. She was actually Dr. Steve Horvath's postdoc at UCLA, went to Harvard, 
Harvard, and now they're all at Altos Labs, you know, studying cellular reprogramming. But she has this clock called PhenoAge, mm-hmm. and it's it's looking at methylation, but it's taking in some lab-based values that you would, you know, receive back from from a, a blood-based panel that your healthcare provider would give you. So okay. it's looking at methylation plus the blood-based values and giving you a biological age without using, you know, chronological age. Okay. So those are going to be better predictors of biological age than those first generation clocks. And how do we know that? Well, the reason we know that is because those second generation clocks are actually going to be more tightly correlated to disease outcomes and death and more predictive of almost every single chronic disease and death as well. So it's like you're adding kind of like another layer of, yeah. of information. Well, and it makes sense, right? Because you're doing your blood work and it's showing at this time, right? Your blood sugar, I don't know what they look at specifically, but let's say it's your blood glucose, your HbA1c, your inflammation markers, your blood lipids. So at this moment in time, given your DNA methylation pattern and those realities, this is where you're at. That actually makes a lot of sense to me. What I And what I would imagine is really inspiring to people is those those blood markers can be shifted. And Mm -hmm. so as you shift them, I would imagine a big part of the work they've done is they said, and when you start to shift these markers in a positive way, you get to see an improvement in that biological age. Exactly. That's, that's exactly the idea. Um, And, you know, that's, that's a really good example. I, I love, um, Morgan's phenoage, that's probably considered one of one of the best right now. Um, the one that is is maybe considered a little bit better, uh, that one's going to be Dr. Steve Horvath's Grimage. Um, it's actually but nobody wants to know that. <laughs> right, right. I, I wouldn't want to know it personally. Um, and it's it's really hard to interpret, actually. Um, but that's a death predictor, essentially. And and that second generation clock uses protein values, so proteomic values. Um on top of the methylation to predict, you know, this, this biological age. Um, so that's like a really popular one in the, the, the space. And then there's um, DNA methylation, you know, uh, a telomere length biological age clock, right? Where they're adding telomere length and the methylation markers to give you a biological age based on that. So you have all of these kind of factors um, that can, of course, affect those second generation clocks or be layered in with that methylation. Beautiful. And so uh, just to go back to the Grimage, because you were going quickly at that point. So Grimage, you guys, is a predictor of age of death. Mm -hmm. And it's so it's believed to be so accurate that for the most part, people don't want to know. They don't look at it. It's, I mean, and I don't know, do we know how changeable or if it's changeable or is the belief that it's not changeable? I can't imagine it's not changeable. Like, how is that even possible? Yeah, yeah, definitely changeable. Um, That's one of, you know, I would say, yeah, the the clock that's really highly uh, cited in the literature. Um, There's even a quote, I I haven't said this in such a long time, but I just remembered it, um, that it's more likely for a, um, like, asteroid to hit earth um than it is for that uh grimage algorithm to you know not be predictive um is is because it's basically you know a statistical math problem essentially is what it comes down to so they're able to you know make some pretty uh um strong statements there but yeah for forgot that statement but uh that has been said before (laughs) but but it can be changed but you can but you can influence it by changing things so I guess at the end of the day, people who want to know their Grimage, it depends on your personality type. If you're the kind of person who's going to lie awake at night worrying about the fact that you're going to, 
you know, your results came back and, sh- and showed that you were going to be done in X number of years. If you're a person that's going to lie awake and just ruminate about it all night, thereby possibly making the clock wrong and dying earlier because of lack of sleep um, yeah. and stress, right? Um, whereas then you get other people that are super analytical and say, okay, cool. Good to know. Mm-hmm. What do I need to do? And they're off to yep. the races. But all right. So that's really interesting. So that's Grim Age, which is part of the family of second generation clocks. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And, you know, so those are the first and second generation clocks. You know, um, True Diagnostic, the the company I, I, I work with, um, they are or I should say we are not impressed by the science, right? We're always achieving more. We always want more. We want to push the boundaries and push the limits. We hold ourselves to the highest scientific integrity level that there is. So really since we opened, we've been working on a really exciting project with Harvard um, where we're going to push the boundaries, push those limits. And we're taking about 5,000 biobank samples from Bringingham's Women's Hospital at Harvard. Um, And what we're doing with those samples is, um, this will be a list here, but we're looking at their epigenetics, their genetics, their uh, proteome, so their their protein levels, their metabolomics, um, their different metabolites, uh, a little bit of transcriptomics, and their phenomics, so these phenotypic outwards expressions. We're taking all of that data and creating what is hopefully going to be the best second generation clock created to date. So it's it's talking more about this multi-omic approach where again, as you add like these layers on, the better the predictors become. Question. Yeah. Can you give us examples, just one or two of each one of those proteomics, metabolomics? Um, is that is that too deep or no, like just uh, just like a list of um, what's like a metabolomic for, like what's metabolomic like an example of a metabolomic like is that um, looking at blood sugar or is that looking at something a little more complex or like a proteomic is that looking at misfolded proteins in a certain area or correct yeah so you know you you have let's start at like the top of this kind of um central dogma right so you have your genetics right yes. that's your your dna that is yes. your your genes so we get their genomic information right which Perfect. is really cool um that's not changeable right no, that's um, your blueprint we call that your blueprint exactly so that yes. is going to be um uh yeah your your genetics the second layer is i, I mentioned a little bit of um uh, I, I mentioned a little bit of this, but it's going to be more of your your transcriptomics. Um, so the transcriptomics is is going to be more of um, like your RNA processing. So those are going to be different RNA levels, and it's going to help um, you know your 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 protein folding and kind of go through that process. Perfect. That third one is going to be the the proteome. So the proteome um, is going to be just uh, this, uh, how proteins are folded in your body, right? right. Um, so there's there's all these different types of, of proteomes and we're using actually a company called um, Somalogic, Somalogic at our, our, our laboratory to do untargeted proteomics. So we're not only just looking at, hey, what's floating around in the body, we're trying to identify, you know, all types of different protein levels. Um, you know, things like uh, your your different uh, antigens and, and, you know, what's being expressed at that level. Yep, great. Um, then you have your metabolomics coming. Yeah. Um, and those metabolomics are going to be um, metabolites. So these are, you know, um, 
uh, these are going to be foreign substances, foreign substances, excuse me, such as drugs um, and different metabolites floating around. So it's this substance like think of it like uh, it's being made when the body breaks down certain food, drugs or chemicals or its own tissues, like your your fat or your muscle tissue. Um, Yeah. A lot of information. I know it's a little bit overwhelming. But that's okay. I mean, it's good to, so it's like downstream metabolites. It's your body is processing a bunch of stuff. And then this is the outcome. It's like when we look at the sex hormone test, why is it escaping me right now? That's looking at the downstream metabolites of your sex hormones. Correct. That that's a good example. Yeah, yeah. That's I don't the, know the name. Know, sorry, I, I do know the name because I just did it. I literally <laughs> have it to send out. I don't, and I know the name because I know this test so well. And for some reason, the only test name in my head right now is True Diagnostic. <laughs> it's displacing everything else. Anyway, but it's like you know, your body. You have all these hormones, and your body, depending on the different pathways that are active and different things, is going to take estrogen and push it down the 2-OH, 4-OH, or 16-OH pathway, those would be those metabolites. So, okay, so that's metabolomics. Cool. Yeah. So, so the, the whole point being that, yeah, we're, we're gathering a lot of data, right. And for, for those current second generation clocks, I just named, there's only one of those, you know, omic factors included. So we're taking, I think I named about like five or six different ones and combining them. So again, the more layers you have, the better predictor it becomes because we want it to be a true biological signal, right? Mm -hmm. We we need it to be reflective of what's currently happening in the body. Um, So, you know, hopefully we'll have uh, that, that paper published here within, you know, the next couple of months or so um and and then have that available as an outcome on our our reporting too nice and so will you be able to get all that information from the current uh method that you're using to sample like for for blood let's say i mean because right now you've got this great it's a blood spot it's a big blood spot (laughs) it's a blood spot it's a giant blood spot test um but will you be able to use that as well not a blood draw correct we we will because we already have yeah, yeah, your raw data, right? So it's forwards and, and backwards compatible as, you know, we dig up old things we find that are really cool or create new things, then um, yeah, we'll be able to give you that information. That's amazing. Okay, cool. All right, so keep going. So then our third generation yeah. clocks coming down the pipes at you soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so I define, you know, first and second generation and um, those are great, but they are still a little bit limited in the fact that they tell you your overarching biological age, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I kind of, I, I call it this historical processing. I, I made up that term, um, but I think it does a really great idea of capturing what it means in, in terms of really your aging starts at your inception and it's capturing everything that happened up until this current time point. Right. So if you get a biological aging test back and you are older biologically compared to your chronological age, that can be really frustrating because, mm-hmm. you know, people may freak out um, and say, oh my gosh, I'm older. But the truth is that accelerated aging could have happened when you were five years old, 20 years old. You know, I, I don't know whenever, you know, maybe you were I don't, doing something that's not great for your health. Right. What are, for example, some of the things that we believe or know can accelerate a person's age? Like, for example, getting cancer, going through chemotherapy, I would be, I would guess that's going to accelerate a person's aging process. Exactly right. Any disease diagnosis or even phenotypic outwards expression of the disease, when you can start to see kind of different signs and symptoms of that disease, um, would accelerate the biological aging clocks. That's very heavily validated in the literature and research. Lifestyle factors that absolutely speed up the clock are going to be um, smoking cigarettes, 
um, that's that's probably the strongest correlation and signal between, you know, any lifestyle factor in your methylation markers. markers. And then secondarily, um, alcohol consumption. Mm. So people who have AUD or alcohol use disorder, which is about seven drinks a week for women, double that for men, have wow. about a 2.22 year epigenetic age acceleration on average. That's so amazing really because that's not even that much alcohol. If you, I mean, I, I mean, I don't drink much. I, I mean, I, if I drink a glass of wine a week, it's a lot. I just, I don't, it's just not my thing, yeah. but um, not to sit on my high horse. It's just, I'm fortunate that I don't, I don't love the stuff. So it's easy for me to say no, but seven drinks a week for a woman is, it's not that much alcohol. If you think about it. I, I don't drink much either, um, which I'm, yeah, fortunate. Uh, just no interest really. But when I do go out and I, you know, I don't know, I have friends in town and I want to drink or, you know, have, you know, let go loose and crowd. Back and have fun. Yeah. yeah, go with the crowd. Seven drinks is not that much, right? And then you're- If you, I had seven drinks, I'd be on the floor. Yeah. You're, well, over, you know, over the course of a weekend. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you get to think about it and you're like, wow, did I, you know, you're counting your drinks and, and stuff. So it, it can add up fairly quickly is my point, right? So it's like, you know- whether you have them all in one Saturday or whether you have them across that week, it's still seven drinks per week, right? So it's something that, yeah, I think I've been more hyper aware of just because of the literature and being like, it's it's scary to to kind of think about. Well, certainly when it's a, when it's a lifestyle, it's a way of life, right? It's one thing if once in a while, like you said, you have friends in from out of town, you're going to drink a little more this weekend than you normally do. Yeah. Probably not as big an impact as, people where this is their way of life and this is just what they do week in, week out, month in, month out. Correct. You're exactly right. Yeah. yeah. More so. of this. Yeah. Social, social situation. Right. So smoking, booze, what about stress, like chronic stress? Oh, that is one that is its home for me because I'm just a naturally stressed out person. <laughs> um, and it absolutely, Absolutely increases the biological aging process or, you know, speeds up those clocks. So um, it's, yeah, it, it's, it's really funny. My best friend came up to me the other day and was like, uh, you know, was getting married and, and was like, is this what anxiety feels like? Is this what stress feels like? So it, it's foreign <laughs> to me that some people never feel that. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, the, the studies are really interesting and they show that, you know, of course, if you're just a stressed out person, yes, it's being accelerated. But if you're not a stressed out person, and you react um, very poorly to stressful situations and you're not able to like digest those emotions or those feelings, that can also trigger uh, quicker biological aging. Um, and it's really unfortunate because, you know, we don't know if like our body doesn't know once we're going through that stressful mechanism of action, if, you know, you just got in a car crash or mm -hmm. if, you know, your friend's not texting you back and, and you know, that's <laughs> caused some, some stress, right? You're kind of, your body's going through that same process and, mm -hmm. and it would, you know, be a lot easier if, if our bodies could differentiate that, but they can't. Yeah. But I think it's, but, but I think this is where things like, um, whether it's meditation, breath work, some of the very cool technology and devices that are out there available to us right now, whether it's wearing an Apollo Neuro or like whatever it is that resonates for you, right? Taking yep. 20 minutes out of your day and doing a new calm session or a brain tap session. Like I think what the big takeaway for people here is not to say if you're stressed, you're screwed. It's more that if you are the kind of person that ruminates and takes stress very personally and, and has a tendency to hold on to it, 
it's really important for you to tap into one of these strategies and so that it's not that the stress isn't going to be there. It's that maybe you're able to manage it a little differently and avoid it affecting you quite as badly. Yeah, you're exactly right. There's um, interventional trials that where, where people are doing, you know, relaxation responses and, you know, basically breathing exercises and meditation um, before and after that have better biological aging. So I'm, I'm definitely trying to work in more of that meditation or things like hot yoga, right, with, you know, calmness for, for the mind. So it's, yeah, very fascinating. Amazing. What about exercise? Where does that fit in? Because we know exercise can be a double-edged sword, right? Too much, too little. We got exactly. Exercise is really hard when it comes to biological aging. So there's there's not much on it, but what we know is is exactly that is you know you want aerobic and anaerobic exercise. You you want to be you know sweating some days, right? You want to really be doing some hit, but at the same time you want to do that yoga or that stretching or that mm-hmm. walking, right? Um, so uh, the the Olympic athletes that we test actually and um, you know people who are doing these really high intensity workouts, they tend to have the worst biological aging because they're doing way too much oxidative stress. And whenever I tell people that they're either like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Or they're like, really? Um, But like you said, uh, double-edged sword. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, cool. Let's talk about telomeres because you said something before we started recording that totally captured my attention. And I don't know that I necessarily made that connection or or maybe I forgot about it, but you talked about, let's talk a little bit about telomere length and how you guys measure it, but let's talk about what it really means. Because I think, I know that Elizabeth Blackburn won the Nobel Prize for discovering the whole, you know, relationship between telomeres and the Hayflick, um, uh, not method. I keep wanting to say Hayflick method, the Hayflick factor or whatever, in terms of how many times DNA can replicate. But um, but there's, it's still very fuzzy in terms of, well, what does it really mean to have longer telomeres? Does that mean yeah. I'm not going to get sick ever? And, you know, even shortening of telomeres, does it happen when people die or do people die because their telomeres are short? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, but you said something about the the relationship between telomeres and senescent cell population. So I just dumped a bunch of stuff on you. I'm going to sit back and let her rip. Go. <laughs> yes. So telomeres have probably been like the most studied hallmark of aging. We're, we're always, you know, adding more of these hallmarks of aging. So we definitely know they're related to the aging process. My hypothesis is they've been studied so much because we still don't know what they do. Um, <laughs> right. That's like, we, we so just, much sense. <laughs> yeah. We're just not really sure. So what true diagnostic does is we measure your telomere length based on DNA methylation. I wanna make that very, very clear. Um, So all the testing we do is based on that epigenetic DNA methylation. Um, There are different ways to measure telomeres. You know, there's quantitative PCR, there's fish methods. We will never get as best as fish method, the fluorescent and stitch hybridization. It's where you go in and you like highlight the telomere and you can actually see them and you measure them very, very accurately. Yeah, you can you count kilobase pairs, right? Like you literally Correct. sit there and go one, two, three, four. <laughs> Correct. So nothing's going to get better than than that. Um, but again, people who are doing that, I would question. You know, how are you using that clinically? What does that that actually mean? Um, so a lot of these these telomere length tests use quantitative PCR. Um, now, according to the literature, the DNA methylation type of testing is going to have about two and a half times the correlation to age-related values compared to that quantitative PCR. So I just tell people that because recognize all of these different methods you may be using, and it, it's not uh, apples to apples, right? You can't right. compare the two. So 
let's focus back on that DNA methylation. Now, when we're giving you that that DNA uh, methylation, we give you you know a biological age based on your telomeres, but we don't like to focus on that because telomeres only make up about 2% of the entire phenotypic aging process. Mm-hmm. So instead, what we're going to look at is your percentile. So we take your telomeres, we compare you to the rest of our population. How are you comparing? Yeah. If you are in the 20th percentile or lower, that's really the threshold. Um, it means that you have more senescent cells compared to people of your same chronological age group. And what that means, remember, those senescent cells are those zombie cells. They're junk. They're not dying. They're causing oxidative stress and inflammation. But what happens is if you come in with the senolytic compounds, so these senolytic compounds clear out those zombie cells, it's things like your, your quercetin, physetin, resveratrol, tyrosilbine, curcumin, you clear out those senescent cells. Those senescent cells have shorter telomere lengths on average. So you're clearing out senescent cells, those shorter oh, so telomere you're, lengths. You're, you're improving your average is what you're doing. So you're, yeah, we call it artificially improving <laughs> yeah. your average, right? Which, which is still great. That, that's still great to, to understand. Um, but yeah, that's like the difficulty with, you know, uh, hey, we can elongate your telomeres, right? We can uh, activate telomerase. Oh. We don't really know if that's the mechanism of action that's happening, right? But they're probably those, those you know, these supplements and things that are saying that they're probably just acting as analytics, which is so great. Um, just a different mechanism of action. As we're talking about reversing biological age versus your chronological age, what better time is there to talk about bioregulator peptides that can play a massive role in helping you to do that exact same thing? For the last three years, I've been buying my bioregulator peptides from profound-health.com. They are located in the UK. They ship worldwide and they carry oral bioregulators, which are actual extracts of tissues, glands, and organs from animals. And that would be under the Nature's Marvels brand. And also they carry synthetic bioregulators. For those of you who prefer a sublingual spray, you can't take another pill, or you don't really want to use any products with that had anything to do with animals, then the synthetic bioregulators are the best solution for you. So to find out about Profound Health, you're going to want to go to profound-health.com and use discount code longevity15. And just so you know, they don't only sell bioregulator peptides. These guys carry cutting edge anti and healthy aging supplements. Some of the best selection that I've seen anywhere. So check it out, profound-health.com. Use Longevity 15 on your first order. Now let's get back to the episode. Yeah, I guess so then you might you may get a different reading from someone who never uses a senolytic, who has in a way a more true representation of their existing population versus someone who did a senolytic course and then did their test like the next week kind of thing. Because in some ways, I mean, it's still a good thing. You've you've taken out the garbage and you now get a reading on what's left behind. And there will always be some senescent cells behind. We need them, as a matter of fact. But uh, like we need some. But but to the person who's never done a senolytic before, you're really getting a sense of, you know, what what's your universe of what's your senescent cell load? Exactly. Like? That that baseline. Yeah. So, um, you know, we are we are doing some really exciting research with with Yale. They actually have a senescent cell predictor uh, using DNA methylation that we're we're working on. We're, we're fine tuning it a little bit. Um, so obviously, when we get that, that will be more 
indicative of, hey, here are your actual levels of these senescent cells. But yeah. the telomeres right now are a really, really great guide. Um, so so we, we like to use them for that that reason. Okay, so you don't want to be in the, tw- the bottom 20th percentile on telomere length relative to other people of your age. Are you just comparing age or age and gender? Uh, just age, so just chronological age. And that's something I wanted to, to talk about as well because- okay. um, True Diagnostic has now tested closer to 20,000 people. So super excited about that. Um, But we're comparing you to everyone in that population. And those people in that cohort are usually optimizers, right? It's a very select group of people, people who choose to take our test. Um, There are some of those, uh, you know, Harvard samples from some clinical trials if we're able to put those in there. So it balances out the line a little bit more because that's going to be more general population. But, um, you know, you're being compared to the best of the best, right? So just something to keep in mind as well. Yeah, so that means the bar is high, right? So Mm -hmm. if we had 500,000 samples of just the general population, the numbers might look very different. It might be easier to look good in a way that versus versus right now you're kind of going in and comparing yourself against a pretty well again and it's like you said right a group of people who are interested and committed to improving their age they want to know and they want to know what they can do better so right away you're it's like looking yeah it's like looking at any kind of homogenous population versus non exactly okay cool all right. So I shouldn't be so happy that my telomere age is so awesome. I should be <laughs> kind of happy because it's better than not, but <laughs> it only gets you so far is what right. you're saying. Right. Just, yeah. just a, a fraction. We still want to give it some love, but maybe not as much as we once thought uh, we would. But again, you know, the, I'm sure the, the studies around telomeres will, will still, you know, be going on. So we'll, we'll keep learning more. For sure. Okay. So that's, that's our telomere length. So now let's talk about the Dunedin pace of aging because that's, I love that. That's got the tortoise and the bunny. Turns out in this case, you do not want to be the bunny. You'd be way better (laughs) off being a tortoise, which Mm -hmm. I mean, I think most of the time, well, I don't know. Sometimes if you're running away from a fox or something, you better be a bunny. (laughs) But, um, but you know, you want to be on the left side of that clock of that little speedometer. I guess that's what it looks like um, versus the right. Right. And so maybe talk a little bit about that because there's a Dunedin Pace study that was done on little children. And we talked about that before the podcast. I'm like, well, wait, can't we change it? And you're like, yes. So, (laughs) yeah, no, 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 definitely. This is my favorite one to talk about. It's just so fascinating. Um, Now, the first and second generation clocks I mentioned are limited because remember, they're that historical age processing that I discussed. What this Dunedin Pace tells you is how quickly you are aging biologically for every one chronological year. So Natalie, like you said, it's a speedometer, right? Which is great. You can speed it up. You can slow it down. Of course, you want to be slowing down your aging. Mm -hmm. Now, how they created this was from a birth cohort that began in 1972 and 1973 in Dunedin, New Zealand. That's why it's that weird name. I know there's also a Dunedin, Florida. Um, Birth cohorts aren't unique. I'll, you know, I'll be the first to tell you that. However, what makes this one extremely unique is they have a 96% retention rate and it's still going on today. So there's 1,037 people in this birth cohort, 96% retention rate. They're still studying this group. The group's 52 52 years old today. So very fascinating kind of group of people. Um, But what the researchers did is they're just looking at how this group is aging. At four different points in their life, um, they took all of these multiple system biomarkers, just, you know, 
think of the most high level things that, that you could look at on the body. They did, you know, um, uh, Grip strength, you know, balance test, chair stands, physical function, um, brain MRIs. Uh, they looked at their gum health and like their inflammation. Oh my um, God. <laughs> this full panel of, of, yeah, everything you would, would ever want tested on you. And they also check, you know, blood-based markers as well, your your typical CBC panels and, and things you would get from your, your healthcare provider on, on your, you know, checkups. So they're coagulating all of this information, looking at how it changes as the group gets older, right? What's correlated with, with what, um, and, and then they're going to use some, some bioinformatics uh, and statistics and, and really it's called an elastic net regression modeling system. So how, how to make something um, be predictive of an outcome. And that that's kind of like a, a 30,000 foot overview of, of the study and how they created this outcome. Um, and the outcome, like you said, Natalie, is, is a number between 0.6 and 1.4. So ideally you want to be at, you know, a standard person would be aging at one, one biological year per one chronological year. But of course you want to be lower, right? You want to slow this pace of aging down. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And then, but what they found with this cohort, I think what's interesting is that didn't they look at them at, at age, I think it was two or three Mm -hmm. and, and figured out and looked at what was their pace of aging at that age. And now as they're aging, they're finding that that, is still true today, right? Like if, yeah. if let's say they were they were ex, they were aging in an accelerated way by the time they were two or three years old, and then as a forty eight year old or a fifty two year old, they're finding that that is still staying consistent. Now, the question I had for you, which I think is is important for people to get their heads around, because now everybody's sitting there going, "Well, wait a minute, if I'm over one." Does that mean I'm just done? But don't forget that these people are not getting any coaching. They're not getting, they're not being told to change anything. So they're just going about their lives, doing their thing. Maybe you have some biohackers in that group, like it's big enough a group and then maybe it'll be down the road. They were look at, they might look at, well, did any of these people actually take action to slow down their pace of aging? But definitely some of them will be smokers. Some of them will be drinkers. Some of them will be clean livers. Some of them will be super stressed. Like you're going to have a mixed bag. But I guess I, I guess my question is, if they found that that clock stayed consistent through their adult years, is that because none of them did anything to slow it down? Or because my question, of course, is, can't we slow it down? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely changeable. So they it's not the pace of aging that was predictive of pace of aging when they were older. Um, it was actually... Um, like epidemiological factors. So, you know, at age three, you know, you take a kid of higher socioeconomic status, mm, right? Compared okay. to, you know, a kid of lower socioeconomic status. So the kid of higher socioeconomic status actually had better paces of aging when they were older. Whereas the the lower socioeconomic status child or, or kid had um, faster paces of aging, uh, pace of aging when they were older. So yeah, not pace of aging to pace of aging, but some type of factor correlated with that at okay. ages. Interesting. So your past can still be an inflection point of that Dunedin paste, right? Um, but it's still absolutely in your control and, and changeable. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, okay. So then that means that those three-year-olds that had an accelerated pace of aging, there was some stressor on them, whether it was poor Correct. nutrition or a super stressful home life or 
maybe, you know, mom's health wasn't great when they were in the womb, like, or was in a very stressful situation herself, because those, those associations have been made, right? Like, it's, it freaks me out to talk about, to be honest. Um, Dr. uh, uh, I'll actually be talking to him Thursday. Um, Dr. Michael Skinner, he uh, is a PhD out of Washington State University, but he studies transgenerational epigenetic inheritance. So cool. And that basically means, you know, if your grandmother smoked cigarettes, they're going to pass signatures on to your mom. Your mom's passing those signatures on to you. He does his work mostly in mice models and like pesticides and toxins. Um, But when I heard him lecture at uh, PLMI with Dr. Jeffrey Bland in Seattle, Washington last year, I was like, okay, I need to reevaluate, you know, the foods I'm eating, check these labels even further, like really dive into things because it just, all of this and, you know, your, your environment, what you're surrounded in, that affects your epigenetic methylation markers, whether you like it or not, right? Yeah. Everything is turning those, those switches on or off, whether it's, yeah, positive or negative. And you're passing it. And if you're a mom, you're passing Correct. that on to the baby. Correct. Right? So and yeah. so guys, in case you didn't miss that little reference there, Hannah's actually launching or has launched, just yeah. not to the big bad world, <laughs> her own podcast. So if you're super geeky like I am, and you've got, you know, you're you're just just want to go deeper and deeper, she's the one that's gonna be interviewing all the scientists and the researchers and the PhDs that the rest of us can't always get a hold of. Um, and have conversations with them. So what's your podcast going to be called? And we're going back to our conversation. We're not done yet, but yeah, yeah. actually maybe we'll save that for the end. We'll save that. Perfect. For Let's do that. Let's okay. do that. Okay, cool. So we've done telomere length. So the other question I had for you is I recently saw somewhere and I can't remember where it was a, a very enticing graphic that said, oh yeah. Okay. So right now we're, we're getting a DNA methylation, like our biological age based on the the sum of our body kind of thing or an overall oh, reading yeah. of the body. But coming down the pipes and not in the too distant future, we're going to get that aging clock by system and by organ or certain major systems and organs. So we'll be able to see maybe our heart might be aging a little faster. And and that what's cool about that is that's going to give you and your provider an, a sense of, well, where do we want to focus our efforts or what do we want to you know, why is your heart aging faster? What is it that's driving that kind of thing? So you want to talk to us a little bit about those more specific clocks and how far down the pipes they are? And is that something you guys are going to be bringing to the market? Because Yeah, (laughs) yeah, definitely. Um, That is such an exciting area of research. So I talked about our Harvard trial, you know, after we we create a couple of just the, the, I'll call them like basic, you know, second generation clocks. Um, kind of the second phase in, in terms of looking at the data is, yeah, able to create these system clocks. So mm-hmm. telling you, you know, the age of your heart or liver or, you know, your brain, um, because then that allows for more targeted treatment, right? Maybe you're, yeah. you're, I don't know, heart's a little bit accelerated aging. Okay, well, why could that be? Maybe when we want to do, you know, an assessment or, you know, EKG or, or, you know, look into it a little bit further. There's some reason that it's aging there. So um, that will absolutely come down the line and something we'll offer from our Harvard um, data, which is so great because, again, remember, we're taking those 5,000 biobank samples and and we're able to have, uh, you know, some people are, de- are deceased. So we have why they they passed away. We have other diseases that they they could have got. So we're able to make these kind of correlations. Yeah. Uh, and our collaborator there, she's great. Her name's Dr. Jessica Lasky-Sue. Her, 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 you know, um, 
really big passion is in, in the metabolomic section. So she, she's amazing and lectures on more of this multiomic approach um, quite frequently. Nice. And so how long before, do you think before we can get a biological age on our, on mm. our parts? I hope roughly. Before. I'm not going to hold your feet to the fire on this. I'm just curious. Is it like a year, 10 years, a month? I hope before the end of this year, if it's before the end okay. of this year, I would be super, super happy. Yeah. All right. So sometime in the next 12 months or so, this should come out. This should come up. Okay. Right. Well, that is super exciting. So the, the last piece of the puzzle we were going to kind of dig into a little bit were some of the most exciting trials that you've done as a company, because you guys are always doing really cool trials and you probably have like a dozen going on now as we speak where you're doing these IRBs, right? You're basically working with a partner. It could be a supplement company or I don't know what other types of people you work with and saying, well, if people do X, what? how does that influence their Y, right? And you've done a couple of really good, cool ones. And there's two that we said we were going to talk about. Yeah. The, the first one is, is, you know, more lifestyle. I'll chat about that one. Um, that's actually called the calorie randomized control trial. So that study is a 10% overall caloric restriction in healthy non-obese adults over a two-year period. So, you know, say you have a 2000 uh, base caloric intake level based on your metabolic rate and, and all these other different factors and your goals, take off 10% of that. Um, and that's what you're going to be holding steady for those two years. What we saw is the reversal or the, the slowing down of that Dunedin pace where the control group actually sees an increase. And that is fascinating. And people who are listening are probably like, well, duh, right. We know caloric restriction extends lifespan. But that's not so much like 10% is not that hard. I, cause the yeah. old numbers were 30%, which means you're just crabby all the time, but 10% yeah. is totally doable. <laughs> we never had the data uh, uh, from it until now. It's, it's the first proof of concept clinical trial showing that. And you know what, for that calorie randomized control trial, they did set the bar at 25% to begin. The participants were like, Heck no, we can't do this. <laughs> they lowered it down to 10%. Um, obviously, there's going to be people who do a little more, you know, people who do a little less, people who do more are going to see a greater effect and, you know, vice versa. But um, yeah, so in animal models, we know caloric restriction extends lifespan years. C. elegans, Drosophila, mice, rat models, but it's never been done in humans. So this is a true reflection. Um, you know, we can't measure it in humans because we live too long and caloric restriction is really hard, right? So it, the, the Dunedin pace is being validated by that calorie randomized control trial to really capture true change. So super groundbreaking and, and exciting. Yeah. So, so in, to summarize, it was just basically over two years, these people on average reduced the caloric in intake by 10% mm -hmm. and saw an age, like a slowing down of that Dunedin pace clock. They slowed down the rate of aging. Correct. And, and this is, uh, I want to make it clear that as exciting as this field is, it is equally as frustrating just because it's so new that the interventional data is far few and in between. So I want to make that mm -hmm. very, very clear. We're, we're, we're all hyper aware of that. However, what's really great when you do these studies is that 
you have a cohort or you have a group, right? You, you have this, this baseline, so to speak. So I actually just figured this out um, the other day when I was talking to Dr. Dan Belsky, who, who really runs the Dunedin Pace, they're doing um, a 10 year follow-up on these people in that, that nice. device control trial. So something I didn't know, right? Because you have to establish the studies first off, and then you can follow up with them whenever as, as much as, you know, grant funding allows too. Right. Well, and I mean, so then you can find out, did they keep up with it? Did they become overeaters? And I guess, yeah. I guess the, the other interesting, I mean, if money was no object and you could do whatever, you'd have a group that undereats by 10%. You have a group that overeats by 10%. Everybody would want to sign up for that one until they saw the results. <laughs> um, and then you would want to see, you know, what's the Delta? Like how much of an impact does overeating have on undereating? Like we both know and pr- could probably think of five different ways that overeating ages us faster. Oh yeah. But yeah. like, you know, like even, even overeating good calories to a point, but, oh, yeah. um, yeah. But at some point, you know, nobody's actually done that trial and published that data. Like there's there's epidemi- epidemiological information out there. People are guessing. They think it would appear that it seems. But how cool would it be to run those things kind of concurrently? Right. right. Yeah. No, you're exactly right. Because, for example, epidemiologically, we know that a higher BMI is correlated to increased aging, right? That's that's they, they found that very strongly. Do we like BMI as a biomarker? No. No. But it- <laughs> is it still a correlation? Sure. Right. Yeah. So you, you need those interventional trials. There's very, very large need for those rather than epidemiological. For sure. Well, and also because BMI, you would then have to split out how many of these high BMI people are carrying extra muscle versus extra body fat because extra muscle can give you a higher BMI. But truthfully, even more muscle potentially could be faster aging because it's metabolically more expensive. Like, you know, there's a possibility that being overmuscular as you age, although it's A, because it's hard to maintain and B, you know, for whatever other reasons we haven't really elucidated yet, could be a pro-aging kind of- Right, a, a lot of co-founding factor. factors, right? We, we Yeah, just, there's so many different things, yeah. yeah. Okay, now the other one is one I'm actually super yeah. interested in because I'm currently choking down, you know, <laughs> Um, a bunch of supplements and a big tall glass of activated charcoal twice a yeah. day. And, <laughs> and, and, and I want to know what's coming out of this because it sounds like a, it's worth it. It's worth the, yeah. it's worth the labor. So this is the Quicksilver trial. Maybe you could just, I keep getting the name of it mixed up. So maybe you could define it for us and tell people a little bit about what it's about. Yeah, definitely. So, um, like Natalie said, it's a it's a three month Quicksilver uh, BioAge reversal protocol. So, pretty cool nomenclature there. But they have, you know, month one, which is uh, reset. So it's more like detoxification. You know, kind of cleaning out the body. Um, number two is going to be your activate. So, okay, everything is is nice and clean now. We're going to go in and, and start sending these these signals and, and make sure things are working properly. And then month three is going to be elevate. So, okay, we're sending these signals. Everything's working now. How are we optimizing? Yeah. Um, so we did that with, yeah, Dr. Crochet and, and his team um, and saw really great results, um, super statistically significant results with um, the Dunedin pace and then several of those first and second generation clocks that I was discussing, um, nice. which again, is great because you know, sometimes you won't see, um, you'll, you'll see a positive change in terms of lowering your biologic age for a lot of the same um, kind of generations, but sometimes they're not all statistically significant, right? There's a mm-hmm. difference there. So um, that was a study where we said, you know, wow, this is making a difference. So that was three months. I believe it was like 40 to 50 people um, not published yet because we're doing a uh, second arm where they're adding, uh, you know, a uh, 
the, the 40 to 50 people are actually doing another round of something that Dr. Shane wanted them to take that he created. So um, I, I forget what even the product's called off the top of my head, but um, I'm excited to follow up with them and, and see how that's affecting their aging. So they're going to wait till those two arms are, are done before moving forward with publishing. All right. I need to find out what that something else is because I'm just going to tack it yeah. on to my three months. Like if I <laughs> if I'm going to go through the misery of doing it this time, I want I want to add on, bring it on. OK, well, anyway, I shouldn't I shouldn't make it sound so horrible. It's actually not that bad. It's just that the activated charcoal, you're you're pouring a pouch of it into water and you got to keep stirring it and drinking it, guys. Otherwise, it puddles at the bottom and then you're drinking kind of mud. The cool thing is it has no taste, so it doesn't taste yeah. bad. It just it's just a little gritty in the mouth. But other than that, it's totally if you chug it and you make it cold and you know, the other thing that helps also, if you put a little squeeze of lemon in it, Oh yeah. yeah. I, you know, like I'm, I'm a taste hacker. Sometimes if I can put a little squish of lemon in it, it actually makes it taste better. And you just have to keep stirring as you're drinking so that it, it keep it stays in suspension <laughs> and, and also close the top of your shaker bottle mm-hmm, <laughs> because mm-hmm. otherwise it gets all over the place and it will stain. All right. <laughs> so we're coming up on time and we promised each other that what we would leave people with is some good advice from from you. First of all, I think one of the things I'd love to leave people with is if they were going to do something like a true diagnostic test, mm-hmm. how often would you repeat it realistically? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you're going to give us a couple of the most, and I you kind of already did, but maybe let's circle back to a couple of the most life, important lifestyle mm-hmm. changes that people could make for their health. Yep. And finally, if you could only pick a couple of supplements and I'm not going to give you a number, it could be anywhere between two and four. Okay. What would be the ones and would they change <laughs> depending on your age? And you don't have to go through every age group and every supplement yeah, yeah. stack, but that kind of thing. Sure. So, yeah. So, so we have two really products at true diagnostic kind of this one called the complete collection. You want to do that one every six to 12 months that includes everything, you know, comprehensive, really great panel. Um, and do that one first. It gives you a good baseline. You can look yeah. at everything. Um, the second product is called True Age Pace. It only includes that Dunedin Pace in the telomere length report. That Dunedin Pace is so precise, you can retest it every eight to 12 weeks. So wow, there was a demand for this type of testing, which is why we created it. So it's, it's cheaper as well, and you can retest way more frequently. Hmm. Um, so those are the two options. Those are the, the you know, testing windows, the retest windows. Um, secondarily, my top lifestyle hacks would definitely be lower stress, you know, regulate your sleep. Sleep is huge, right? Get a tracker, monitor your sleep, really optimize that. Um, caloric restriction, of course. Um, following more of, you know, a, a whole foods diet, no artificial flavorings, foods, the, the calories that you are choosing to eat do matter, right? You can't go get a McDonald's Happy Meal and say, oh, I've, you know, restricted my calories for the day. <laughs> um, doesn't work that way. Would be cool if it did. Um, and yeah, you know, move your body. Um, yeah. I kind of like to say move your body instead of exercising, just because again, mm-hmm. I like to sweat and like sprint and and lift weights. I need to feel like I'm like actually kind of, you know, burning that energy. But but move your body, take the walks, do the breathing exercises, the hot yoga. Um, of course, alongside with you know sprints and, and definitely weightlifting sometimes, especially as we age, right? We lose that that muscle mass. So those are like the four top categories. Um, if I were to add another one, definitely detoxify, right? So like women in particular put about 175 toxic chemicals on their body every day, um, from their makeup, hair. When I found that out, I was like, holy, um, yeah, you know, I did, I did not know that. So 
also just looking, you know, at, at that stuff, if you're into it. Right. So, um, mm-hmm. definitely can affect your epigenetics and, um, supplements, um, vitamin mm-hmm. D definitely, um, according to the research, uh, probably 4,000 to 6,000 IU per day. Definitively. That would be my, my number one supplement. Um, secondarily would be a methylated B complex or, you know, five methylfolate or methylcobalamin. Reason being, I mean, you may want to check in on your, you know, typical uh, pathways, but for people who have uh, um, MTHFR women who have the MTHFR 677CC variant, so homozygous there, they actually have increased biological aging. Just there's that correlation there. And if you supplement with a methylated cofactor, you can almost see that instantaneous reversal. So again, it, it's really cool because it's tying in genetics and like your epigenetics and biological aging. Yeah. Um, but I know a lot of, you know, a lot of people I talk to are on that methylated complex anyways to help regulate some of those pathways. So that looks pretty, pretty promising and, and one that I, I, I am currently taking, but would, you know, probably say is up there as well. Amazing. So D3 and I would add with K2 because you always want to have your yep with K2, with your D3 and your methylated B complex. That's too, that's amazing. And you didn't go yeah. into any of the fancy stuff like the, <laughs> you know, like the NADs and the spermidines and the, you, you didn't, you didn't even, yeah. you didn't go there. So that's really interesting. And then what was the third thing? Lifestyle supplement. And I think the last thing honestly is going to be where people can find you, where they can find your amazing podcast. I do want to say guys that if you decide you want to do either of the true diagnostic tests, you can use discount code longevity 12 and that will save you some money and then you can do it more often. But let's have Hannah leave us with her contact information where we can find her and follow her and her amazing podcast. Yeah, absolutely. You you all can find me at everythingepigenetics.com. That's my podcast name as well, just everything epigenetics. And like Natalie said, I'm really diving into what these markers mean as it relates to our health and how we can improve our, our health outcomes and help regulate our, our DNA. Um, you can find me on Instagram at everythingepigenetics.com. But if, if you all want to reach out, just, you know, leave me a, a message on, on my website, shoot me an email, Hannah at everythingepigenetics.com. You can ask me questions, you know, regarding true diagnostic epigenetics in general. Um, yeah, I'd love to love to chat with, with you all, but I, I just really appreciate you, Natalie. This has been, you know, so great. I always have the best conversations with you. Um, and yeah, I just want to thank you for your time. Oh, well, likewise, thank you for coming out. And when, you know, you're, I love talking to you. So it won't be so long next time before. I think when you bring out those individual clocks, we're going to do another episode and kind of dive into those. So once again, it's true diagnostic without an S.com. That's a common mistake. I make it all the time. And T-R-U, no E. Yeah, T-R-U, no E. And diagnostic, no S at the end.com and longevity 12 and then everything epigenetics for everything Hannah. So thank you so much, Hannah. This has been amazing. We'll see you again soon. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to leave us a five-star review on iTunes because that's what helps us to be heard and to be seen. If you'd like to connect with me directly or if you'd like to leave any comments or if you have any questions about this episode, please reach out to me directly through my website, natnidham.com. And of course, if you're not already a member of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Community on Facebook, that's where you'll find me every day. It's a short application. Just answer a couple of questions and you're in and interfacing with other amazing biohackers. Thanks again. And we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode.